Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome to Podcast 206 of Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen. Let's get into closing skills today. That's always a fun topic to talk about as we get into that. You've heard me say it before that closing skills are like trying to get a kiss after a bad date. (laughs) Okay, that's true. If they don't like you and they don't trust you, a clever phrase won't help you out. But there's a time and place. Do they work? When do they work? How do they work? It's been a great week. Been spending time with financial planners in an undisclosed location. Not sure why it matters, but anyway, we'll have some fun with that. Keep you on your toes. Always a fun bunch. Shout out to them, those financial planners. In fact, they're helping a lot of people make a lot of money. It's interesting what they're up to and what they're doing. So contact your financial planner and ask them what's up, what's new, what's different, because the world of investments is always changing. So let's start off today with the geeky article. You've probably heard of the show before if you're a rabid listener. There's a good word for you, rabid listener. I've talked about oxytocin before. Not to be confused with the other stuff. This is an actual smell. In fact, if you're interested in smells and influence and how it increases or decreases trust, check out Podcast 54 where we focus on that explicitly. And of course, you can have access to all the archives on the free membership of InfluenceUniversity.com or get the 52-week PhD advance. I want to learn how to persuade and influence so people want to be around me and want to be influenced by me. That's also on InfluenceUniversity.com. That's our plug for the day. So this comes from the National University of Singapore and the Journal of Psychoneuroendocrinology. You notice I had to slow down to kind of figure that one out. That's actually one word. I think they made it up, but that's okay. That's where it comes from. They've done the research that oxytocin, there's a gene that we have that might influence friends. Now, oxytocin is a smell that increases trust and connection in people. Now, it's been fascinating to us here on the show that this could actually be used and abused. Can you imagine getting sprayed at a car dealership or other places to where, yeah, I'll take four cars. So there's probably some ethics to this. We will get into that here on the show. But the new research does show that there's a couple of genes that we have that adults have, especially young adults, that increases trust and likability. It's called the social hormone, again, this oxytocin, and it's for bonding, it's for trusting the opposite sex. It's for child rearing. It's critical to get empathy, trust, and generosity, which if you're in persuasion, influence, or sales negotiation, you know you want empathy, trust, and generosity. And so they looked at these different genes and these smells and the roles that they played, and they found that the people that had these specific genes displayed greater sociality. They were more social. They preferred activities involving other people over being alone, had better communication skills, more empathy, and it was critical. So they've been looking to see, can they trigger these things? Can they make it happen? Can those that are socially inept or missing those social radars be helped in that situation? That's what they're trying to find out in this research. And so isn't that interesting that smell alone can trigger that empathy, that trust, want to be around other people. And so they were really taking this research to see, can that work with autism? Can it work with other people that might have social issues or social behaviors that inhibit them to develop those type of characteristics. So the lesson being, everything affects persuasion from smells to colors, those subconscious triggers we've talked about. Remember that 95% 
And now they're digging deep with this smell. My concern is, wow, they could really use and abuse this to where the whole psychology of smell and trust can really trigger different feelings and forms of trust. Isn't that amazing? It's not every day you can read out a psychoneuroendocrinology journal. <laughs> I had to say it again. That's an incredible name. It's, it's long, too. I'm hoping I got it right. I think I got it right. If I didn't get it right, let me know at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com with comments, questions, thoughts, jokes. I will take those or even a question you want me to address on the show. I am more than happy to do that. So instead of doing the standard blunder or ninja, I'm going to do something a little unique today. I'm going to do the blinja. Blinja go. Don't, don't, don't. Loyal listeners know that that's a combination of a blunder and a ninja together. Sometimes we can't figure it out. This time I'm going to compare and contrast two different companies that I was exposed to this week. One is uh, Apple. It was my wife's birthday this last week. And of course, needing the points, wanting the points, I went and got her an Apple Watch. It's what she wanted. And wow, when it arrived, the packaging was exquisite. It reeked of quality. I'm going to say that reeked of quality. It did. The packaging and the paperwork and the the plastic and the what you pull together. I mean, if you ever bought anything from Apple, you know their packaging is top of the line. They spend the money there and they let you know you bought something of quality. It wasn't in some plastic wrapper or brown box. It was looking good. And so that's something they do to manage expectations to let you know you spend a lot of money and it's okay. Versus working with a network marketing company, they had really exquisite packaging, really expensive packaging, but oh, corporate cut costs. And so, of course, they have these super powder drinks that cause you to lose 10 pounds in 10 minutes and have enough energy for three weeks or whatever the promise is. You know what I'm talking about. And they went from this nice packaging to save money to plastic bags almost. So they have these nice containers with the lids and aluminum. It looks sharp to where let's just put it in a plastic bag where you rip the top open. It has the little zip seal on top and that's what you got and it saved them a lot of money they probably were excited about the bottom line but as a distributor especially a first-time distributor it just reeked of cheesiness high lactose we call it here on the show to where they just skimped around the corners now if you love the product you love the company probably not an issue maybe it's your best case scenario to the first two or three months send the high quality get them hooked get them attached get them to lose 100 pounds or whatever it is then go to the cheesy product, but be careful if you're setting things out. The quality is going to be important. People will judge you on it, especially if you look at things like software. This is kind of probably old school, but let me give you this example. Most software is downloaded now, but in the past, when you bought a software on a CD, for example, it was in a huge box, it was a nice quality box, the color printing, it was sharp, reeked to quality, because if you spend $1,000 and all you get is a little CD, yeah, feel a little violated, of course, and so they made it look really nice, even though all you needed was the little CD. So that is our Blinja of the week. Hopefully you can learn from that as we dive into closing skills. A couple foundational things here is I monitor the close, I monitor persuaders, I monitor salespeople, I monitor negotiations. That's the fun part of my job because... I get to find out why people are lying, what people are doing well, what they are not doing well, because in your mind, what you're doing well or not doing well is very opposite of what you're doing well or not doing well, because we think we're doing much better than we actually are in most aspects of our professional career. That's why you need a coach or a mentor, someone to watch you. Because again, even in sports, what you're doing wrong or right and what you think you're doing wrong or right can be two very different things. And so one thing that I have noticed that top persuaders and salespeople do ask three times more questions. 
People need you to ask questions. Even if you know the answer, you still have to ask a question. Just like when you feel sick, you go to the doctor, you sit on the parchment paper, you talk to the nurse. Nurse leaves, you wait, you wait, the doctor comes in, and imagine if this happens. The doctor didn't even come in. They open the door halfway and says, yeah, I know what you have. It's going around. Uh, you'll give it to your prescription at the front desk. Thanks for coming in and shuts the door. Now, let's assume that doctor's 100% correct, just solved your sickness or your illness or your problem, whatever you want to insert there. But think about how you're feeling, a little violated there. How did they know? Wait a minute. I First time I've come in for this, right? You've got to ask the questions, three times more questions. And it's this simple. When you ask the right questions, they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them. It's critical because questions create mental involvement. They guide the conversation. They find out needs. And I always remember you should have all your questions prepared ahead of time. What do you think about? How do you feel about what's important about? My favorite? Well, if a genie appeared and made everything look perfect, what would that look like to you? And just shut up and listen. And of course, always ask the easiest questions first and let them know you appreciate their questions or responses or objections. Keep the door open. Of course, I could talk about listening to those questions and listening skills, but you're in denial about that anyway. But listening is a big aspect of being able to do this and ask the right questions and work with the right people. So before I get into those closing skills and, and getting the yes, let me back up a little bit and tell you something really important from some latest research here. Don't get the no. Now, this could be a manager going to a CEO, their pet project, they're really excited, and, and they're talking about all the benefits, and they sense the CEO's having a bad day, maybe, and they're going to say no. Don't let them say no. Even the sales process, if you're sensing a no, don't let them say no, because it's very difficult to turn a no into a yes than a maybe into a yes. Backpedal a little bit, if you're sure it's coming, say, wait, we do a couple more weeks of research, we find this and this out, and I want to revisit this in a couple weeks, and usually they'll say, okay but you didn't get the no because turning that no into yes is much more difficult than a maybe into a yes. So that little piece of wisdom ahead of time as we get into closing skills. With the question of the day being, do closing skills still work? Hmm. Yes and no. There are a lot of cheesy, outdated closing skills out there that do not work, that are very old school, number one. Number two, you're hoping to help them close themselves to where they say, how do I get started? What do I do next? So you don't have to have a closing skill. But if you haven't done the great presentation, maybe you're not connecting, maybe there's no trust, you're having a hard time, you might need a few closing skills to seal the deal. So every once in a while, it's good to have to keep the process going to have a closing skills. But again, your goal is to open them up, build the trust, connect with them, show them the benefits, and get them to close themselves. Or say, like I said, how do I get started? What's the next step? That's an incredible offer. How do I do this? Those are the things that you are looking for to do this. So let's go over some of the top objections that you're seeing out there. And let me just say this. You need to have a closing book, the top objections that you get, and keep a list of the top ones and two, three, four great responses. Over the years, I've created closing software that closes for you. And every objection you get, and I've identified 77, it has two or three different options. And you use the one that works for you, that resonates with you with the time, with the prospect, and your personality. But let's go over a few of those that you need to think about. The first one is, I want to think it over. Okay, that's a knee-jerk reaction. I don't want to make a decision. If they can put it off, they're going to put it off. And a lot of times they're going to mirror your hesitations in these situations. And you have to really get in deep here because this is one of those lies. I want to think it over. It's too expensive. I need to talk to. Those type of things, 67% of the times are lies. We've talked about that on the show. You already know that. But let's assume they're true and come up with a few responses. I need to think it over. Here's the key. What exactly are you going to think about? 
So first of all, validate the objection. That's great. I can understand that. Okay, sure. What exactly are you going to think about? Because that's the moment of truth that they say, well, everything. Oh, they're lying to you. But you need to know here what exactly you need to think about. Is it your guarantee? Is it the features? Is it another competitor? Find out exactly what it is and gives you another opportunity to close them. <laughs> or you can use a little humor. Well, fine. That's great. I can wait. <laughs> Let them know that sometimes that's a little ridiculous. So they're just kind of throwing it out there. Also throw in, are you trying to get rid of me? Just to kind of gauge them there. Sometimes it's good to say, well, obviously you have a reason for saying that. Would you mind if I ask what that is? Or just pull the busy card. Look, we're both busy. We know this is going to increase your profits. We know it's going to do this and this. Let's go ahead and get started. Let's try it out for two weeks. Let's go ahead and get moving on this so we don't waste any more time. We're both busy. Let's get to this. And that makes a lot of sense to people. Another top one we hear is like, I'm busy. I don't have the time. Knee-jerk reaction. So is that a knee-jerk reaction? Sometimes you say, well, how much time do you think I need? Well, I don't know. Well, I only need seven minutes. And sometimes it's good to get that little foot in the door and say you need seven minutes and set your watch for seven minutes. And what that's done is that you've got your foot in the door and you've had seven minutes to prove your case and show the benefits and what's in it for them. And that seven minutes, you just say, well, do you want to reschedule for the rest of the presentation? You want to keep going? And usually you want to keep going. You can throw out, well, you're too busy too, and fill out one of those great benefits that's going to grab their attention. Remember, it's just a knee-jerk reaction. It's like going to the store. Hey, can I help you? Oh, just looking. Like, oh, I needed help. But you just said, oh, just looking. And this is the same type of situation here. Or they say, well, I'm too busy. I don't have the time. Like, great. Perfect. That means you're exactly the person you need to talk to because, all right, and you fill in the blank, taking a little different angle there. Again, these are only reserved at the very end, only if nothing else has worked. Only if you've shown what's in it for them and given them a benefit, that's the key here. Sitting on the fences when you're using these. If you haven't grabbed their attention, they don't trust you, they don't like you, they don't see how this is going to benefit them, you've just been vomiting on them, none of these are going to work. Then there's the world famous, I'm not interested. Perfect. Well, may I ask why? Find out, dig a little deeper, where did you blow your presentation? Or you could say, well, you're not interested in and fill in that big benefit you know they're interested in that's a pain for them that you can keep talking. Or use a little humor. Well, you're not interested now or forever. I mean, kind of gauge their interest in what's really going on. Or you just say, of course you're not interested. I haven't finished my presentation. You don't have the latest information. You don't know exactly how I could make you an extra million dollars a year. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Another one we hear out there many times, well, I need to talk to my partner, my spouse, my organization, my team, people are probably trying to buy time. Is it real? Or you say, great, what exactly do you need to talk about? And find out exactly what that is that they need to talk about. Well, everything, okay, they're lying, but there might be something specific that they need more information on. Or you're going to say, well, what would happen if you made the decision right now and we got started and you started saving money? Or you say, okay, great, let's schedule an appointment. We'll talk to them together. Now that's key. You have to understand that. Nobody can persuade better than you on your product, service, your idea, or whatever you're talking about. Your project, it doesn't matter. And if someone goes to a committee to talk about you, your product, your service, your idea, they're going to bomb it. They're not going to do very good. And it's going to be a huge challenge. You either got to prep them to, for all the questions that they could get or be there. Otherwise, it's just going to fizzle. Don't let them try to sell your stuff. Don't let them try to persuade for you. Get there if you can. If not, prepare them for that presentation or give them the list of top 20 questions, whatever you need to do to do that. Then our all-time favorite, which is usually a lie, we'll cover that in another podcast, is uh, I can't afford it. That price resistance, right? 
Well, I'll just back up and say you're probably blowing your presentation at this point. They don't see the value. But let's say they do and they actually don't have it in the budget. We've got to come up with some responses to help you dig a little deeper. But do remember the ability to pay and willingness to pay are two very different things. So one thing that you could do is say, well, let's set that aside for now and talk about these other things and resolve it last. You have more time to show the benefits and the return on investment because they're not seeing the return on investment. Or you say, well, if I could show you a way you could afford this item, would you be interested? Well, that's going to tell you a lot, isn't it? You can pull the old, that's exactly why we need to do business. Right? Let them get thinking about it. Or just ask, what kind of price were you expecting to pay? What was the investment you were looking at? And you might be closer than you think to where you can be doing business. Or if you really want to test them out, you say, okay, great. Compared to what? What are you comparing us to? And get a little more information. Those are key things. Again, use these sparingly and never use them right out of the chute. And only use them when there's trust. When you know that they're interested, they're excited, they can see the benefits. That's when you can start using these. But hopefully you never have to use any of these because they said, wow, that's incredible. How do we get started? How long will it take to right? Do business with you. Those are the things that you're looking for. Make sure you master these questions and these responses. That's what makes a great persuader. And sometimes they're not even quite sure what their objection or question is. And you have to isolate it a little bit. If they come up with a price objection, well, is that the only reason that holds you back today? Well, suppose that's solved, right? We talked about the set aside. Or you back up and say, is that the only concern you have right now about this purchase? to find out exactly what's going on. Because again, these might be knee-jerk reactions. And I think we need to talk more about that. We'll do that in another show. But you've got to learn to ask the questions. Keep objections and questions and responses on your phone or laptop, whatever you need to do. Be professional. Think about them ahead of time. What answers are you going to use? And if they're not coming up with any questions or objections, maybe you need to dig a little deeper. Or if they come up with some off-the-wall one that you're not even prepared for, Maybe you need to dig a little deeper. Well, I'm surprised to hear you say that. What do you mean by, and kind of fill in the blank, find out what's going on. Maybe they don't even know what's going on. It was just a knee-jerk reaction. Or you can say, could you let me know the reasons for and against making this decision at this time? A little pros and cons, little Ben Franklin, I guess you can call it. There's still a time and place for that, but use that one very, very, very sparingly and only for an analytical type personality. But maybe it's a person that's been talking, but now they're quiet. You might just say, You've been very quiet. Would you mind telling me exactly what you're thinking about and get a little more information, a little more information? Those are the keys to your success. Understand, again, overused and abused. A lot of them still don't work. There are still people using lame closes out there, teaching very aggressive closes. It's just the right time and the place these can be good. So the answer is yes and no with closing skills, but you do these. It'll make a huge difference. You'll be able to persuade and influence. So match these skills. Think it through. Be a professional. You have a moral and ethical obligation to persuade people. Don't let somebody else that doesn't care about them persuade them or has an inferior product. Learn to persuade and influence. Master these skills. Maximize your influence. And go out and persuade with... (laughs) 